Esme. She's a queen. This is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She's a queen. Go queen. joining another episode of the key chat today my special guest is miss sherry Foose. sherry is a celebrated therapist and she's the founder of the narrative method so we're going to have a great chat she has some amazing points on how we can do self-improvement mindfulness positive thinking so i'm ready to dive in how are you doing today let's go swimming (laughs) (laughs) i'm happy to talk with you today so i know you have also you have a nonprofit that connects diverse populations to themselves and each other. So I wanted to start off by just talking about your platform. I know you have the narrative method. Can you talk about your nonprofit first before we go over the different points? Well, that uh, that is the nonprofit is the narrative okay. method. However, it may be confused because uh, in two, uh, 1999, which is, mm-hmm. is very hard to say. Um, I started something else called the Bridge Program. It's still running at Antioch University, Los Angeles. And it's a year-long course for marginalized folks who had never really had higher education. Some didn't really finish uh, elementary school um, and just got pushed along. And, you know, rather than going to some sort of traditional school that makes them jump through hoops before they can even learn what they want, this is a free year-long humanities course, so it's super cool. Okay, awesome. And what made you decide to do it, though? You know, I always like to find out people's purpose behind some of the great things that they do. Well, I think for me, you know, I uh, I grew up in a kind of uh, abusive home, and, um, you know, the answer to everything was no. There was really no creativity. There were no ideas. There was It was just very, very confined. And um, although we weren't the most impoverished people in the world, I, it was something of my milieu because on one hand, we lived on the outskirts of a very wealthy community, but I didn't really fit there. And so I related more to people who were struggling. And so um, I, I just always wanted to, do something to right the injustice. Um, And I hate the BS and the double standard of you can be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people actually are able to be whatever they want. But Mm -hmm. most of us have to make compromises between what's in our vision, what's possible, what we can afford, what we have access to, you know, all these kinds of factors. So I don't like to be Pollyanna about that stuff. And uh, I just feel very passionate about giving, you know, a hand up to people who through no fault of their own struggle. Yeah, and it is necessary for sure. So that does make a lot of sense. So I want to go over some other things, obviously, with the narrative method. 
So I have some points I want to cover with you. So one of them was relational mindfulness and keys to a successful communication strategy. So obviously, you know, like we mentioned, just being able, we do have the power, obviously, all of us to create things and achieve our dreams just some not so easy for others obviously and there's some tools that some of us have to learn so can you break down the importance of relational mindfulness and keys to a successful communication strategy definitely well relational mindfulness is one of the narrative methods 12 core concepts and it's really at the essence because if you think of mindfulness for yourself and yoga and meditation all that stuff it's really important to be centered and clear with yourself in order to have good relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. But we're social animals and there's only so much you can do by yourself before, you know, you, we wind up in this alienated situation, not because people don't care for each other because of the pandemic, but the pandemic has really shown us the extent to which we have become disconnected. So relational mindfulness is a set of tools and a philosophy about communicating. It's not something, um, you know, I mean, we, we hope to practice it 24-7, but it's something that's, that's very specifically for important um, conversations. So if I want to talk to you about something that you did that kind of hurt my feelings, I really didn't know how to talk about it. And, you know, uh, we set up this time and I come over and you're texting the whole time. <laughs> um, I might get the feeling that you don't care. Um, and, or by the same token, if you're sharing your feelings and I keep butting in and justifying myself, we're not getting anywhere. So the only way to really move through these obstacles, whether it's professional or personal, is to take turns and to, in small chunks, communicate our feelings and our thoughts, then have the person reflect it back before we move forward. Because when somebody lays something out for a long time, it may resonate, but there's so many details, we can't remember it all. And since what is most important in my sharing my feelings with you and vice versa, is that you understand, not that you get a gist or you draw your own picture, but that you understand from the other person's perspective rather than leading with your assumptions or, oh yeah, yeah you've talked about that before. So this practice of slowing it down and making it deliberate, and even if you're having a negative emotion, don't make excuses and don't butt in. Just listen, you'll have a turn later. Reflect <laughs> it back. And once that person feels heard, then, you know, take a break for sure. But then it's your turn. And it teaches you to contain your frustration. One trick that really, really helps, whether it's having a difficult conversation or just being busy with anything else, I, I don't mind keeping a pen and pad in my lap. I can jot down notes even without losing eye contact because otherwise I'm going to be worrying about what I'm going to say. And we want to free ourselves from that, but it's not so easy if all these ideas are coming up. Mm -hmm. So there are lots and lots of tools to make the difficulties in communicating clearly a lot easier. Mm. That makes sense. I think sometimes too, when we're speaking to people sometimes 
like you said, just listening skills. Sometimes people are so focused on thinking of what are they going to say next that it takes away from really absorbing what someone is really trying to say, you know, which, you know, obviously puts cracks into communication because we want to make sure we don't say the wrong thing or we don't sound stupid or we want to sound smart. So focus on what we're going to say next. The a really good protection around saying the wrong thing is to just make sure, especially if it's a converse, conversation that's brought, uh, something that is politically hot right now or something that has to do with the subject that the two of you are discussing, come with an I statement rather than, you know, you did that and it hurt my feelings without assessing any motivation to the person. So you don't say like, you deliberately hurt my feelings. No, you say, when you didn't call me, I started thinking that you didn't care. That way the person doesn't have anything to defend against. And the communication is not complicated with your resentment. So it's really just getting down to basics and trying very hard, both people, to be extremely fair and simple with what they're communicating. Now that ended up, I can edit that. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. So another thing I will say with communication, we live in a social media age where people are really, really, really consumed I think with toxic energy negative things and in addition back to communication there's sometimes when we have a lot of cracks in how we talk to people that a lot of feelings get hurt we live in a really a time right now I think a lot of feelings emotions are on edge so another thing that I saw with your 12 points was how can negative messages be combated so let's say for example like you said sometimes people are in in the middle of a very heated discussion you know, you still want to be mindful of not really causing too much tension, but things happen. So obviously there are some times where the comment is still going to be hurtful or just maybe something that isn't received too well. So how can we combat negative messages? So you're referring to one of the other core concepts, which is the cult of culture. It's exactly what you said. It's just the constant onslaught of toxicity and negativity. And you know, it starts when we're children. Everybody learns, every little girl learns she's not pretty enough. We all learn we're not good enough, tall enough, rich enough, whatever all those imperatives seem to be. As we get older, we realize that what is important about us is who and what we are and and what we do. Um, It doesn't mean that we don't want to look good or be able to be appreciated and recognized for, you know, what, what we're trying to put out in the world. But in terms of how to combat these negative messages, I think one of the most important things, first of all, is to realize that it's happening all the time and it's not just you because it's so easy for all of us to figure out from the messages that we get from ads and television and movie and just the way people act and influencers and all that stuff. It's so easy for us to feel like we don't fit in. But when you're with other people, especially people that you don't know, so there's no reason why they should sort of feel the way you do, 
And if somebody says something real about that, like, you know, I, I just wind up feeling insecure because, you know, I, I don't feel like I look good enough or I don't feel like I'm smart enough or, or whatever the, that insecurity is. Other people will respond so uh, heartfully because what inspires people is probably what we've accomplished. What connects us to people is sharing or vulnerability. So if I say that to you, it would be so easy for you to share. Oh, yeah, well, I felt like that um, about something similar. And you start to debunk this big lie. It's not that we don't know it's BS. It's not that we don't know what it is. But until we begin a habit of almost constant awareness and bouncing that negativity back and getting reality, reality checks with people we trust, that's how we build our strength against it and make decisions that like, even though I feel incredibly insecure to go into that room and stand up and speak, I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm prepared the best I can, you know, and so we push beyond those fears. Right. And I think for most of us, we have that broken child inside of us, you know, and that's what makes and breaks a lot of adults from either becoming healthy adults, you know, mentally, emotionally healthy are ones that are dealing with issues. We all, like you said, we all have dealt with some moment where we thought we weren't good enough. And a lot of it does stem from childhood. And I think that's the challenge of adulthood is overcoming that broken kid. You know, that's the whole game of life that we all deal with. Boom, we're done. I mean, first of all, I don't think it's some people. I think it's everybody. Just like I don't think that there's only some people who've been traumatized. I mean, there's trauma and there's trauma. Uh, But everybody has the range of human emotions. The only people who don't have full access have a lot of psychological, you know, profound, profound issues. But otherwise, you don't have to have had the exact experience that someone had to understand them because you can relate to the emotions. And everybody knows what it feels like to be excluded, to be insulted, to long for something you're too afraid to ask for. And the, the way that these kinds of feelings bond us is so meaningful and so wonderful because on the one hand, you may have like a hole inside. You think that you suffer alone. And when you realize that it's universal in this culture, mm-hmm. you just, you belong and you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So like another thing, another one of your points is radical gratitude, which I do think is important because like you said, all of us are dealing with something that we have to overcome, whether it's, you know, not as severe or as big as the next person, but everyone has a hill that they're climbing. So within that, how is it possible to be grateful, you know, to find what you refer to as radical gratitude? Radical gratitude is about taking the time out to stop and acknowledge every close call you survive and every small beauty, wonder, amazing thing. I discovered this once because uh, my baby, I had my arm around my baby. We were sitting on the second story of something. And I don't know why in one second, 
she was 90 degrees out the window. And I just went like that. She didn't know, no one I was with knew. It would have been nothing. But I realized in that moment, God forbid, had that happened, would I have been on the ground fantasizing, begging, what if, what if, what if? How do we not have a celebration for the thing that never even happened, that we were this close to getting hit by a car, that we were this close to flying down the stairs or pressing send on an email when we were pissed off instead of, you know, having slept on it and found a better way to say it. That alone will change your mood because you realize I am lucky all day long. And then on top of that, just building into your awareness and your commitment to noticing everything's interesting. It's a way to balance the fact that we were designed to look out for danger. That's Mm -hmm. the animal thing. We can't get rid of that. And we really don't want to. We, you know how you notice every once in a while you turn around and somebody sure enough is behind you and you didn't think about it. You just felt it. So there are these animal instincts and sometimes they lead us to bad prejudgments. We make a judgment, somebody's walking down the street and then we have a, a belief that it sticks to that needs to be updated. So some of these quick judgments are inaccurate and bad. However, we can't get rid of them. But if we co-balance them with the awareness that, you know, that every human being we're about to meet is a new person and that um, what is before us is miraculous with endless potential. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really changed my life and really made me happier. Awesome. I think just being grateful it really does change your mood because it's so easy to focus on the negative things or focus on just things in the past or just heavy things because it's easier sometimes to look at that. But, you know, there is power into finding ways to be grateful in the midst of no matter what you're dealing with. You know, I just think, it, like you said, it does add some positive energy and it can possibly change your life. So another thing that I think is just equally powerful is another point, which is the power of an apology. I know forgiveness is a hot topic. I see memes on forgiveness almost every single day. I think forgiveness is something that is a, it's a tricky conversation because there's different forms of forgiveness. You know, I think there's some times where you can really let go of some hurt and pain, but you don't necessarily have to reconnect with that person. I think that's a conversation that a lot of people struggle with because I think some people sometimes they don't understand that portion well you know you forgave so 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 why can't you talk to them anymore but I think there's different chapters of forgiveness so I definitely want to hear your take on the power of an apology yeah I'm, I'm so glad you said that the reason we don't get into forgiveness is exactly what you said it's really complicated yeah and it's not anything that we can ever elicit from someone else We can work on our own forgiveness, but I would rather help people learn what it means to apologize sincerely because that is super powerful. So for example, if um, I say to you, um, oh, I'm really, I'm so sorry I told what's her name, your secret, but you know what? It just came up organically and, but no buts. There's no buts. It's an apology or it's an excuse. Mm -hmm. 
not only is it an apology, but I think when an apology really is potent is when it's personal, when you're showing the person you're, you're thoughtful and you've really considered how it might have hurt them and even invite them to tell you more. Because guess what? They know all the details. They know when you stepped on their heel, not only did their ankle bleed, but they had to walk with one shoe all the way to the bus or whatever that was. So I like to invite people, please, I, I do want to know more. I mean, I imagine that it caused you physical pain and it, it may have cut into your day, but tell me more. And what I have seen as a therapist all the time in sessions, when you can offer an apology with an imagination, and an invitation to that person to please tell me more. I want to share it with you at least. It's the least I can do. And eventually they just feel like filled out and they'll say, look, it's okay because I actually, I had another pair of shoes on me or whatever that thing might be. Mm -hmm. That's how we feel better that we think the person cares for how they hurt us and the extent of it. Mm. I think just having, like you said, a sincere apology, really heartfelt, just really thinking about that person that has been offended, you know, that has been hurt. It takes a lot of, you know, cojones to just really focus on being an adult and really empathizing with that person. And I think that's the issue sometimes with just bland apologies, you mm -hmm. know. Like I've received land apologies from people sometimes, you know, there's like really no feeling behind it. Like everyone, I think everyone has experienced that at least, you know, when yeah. you get, when you know, they really haven't processed why How you're, this? how about, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Right. What does that mean? Right. You already told me I hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be something I agree with. Right. I can still be sorry that you felt hurt. Right. So in that case, I, I would say, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings. I hope never to do it again. And if you'll, you know, be willing to share a little bit more with me, I really right. want to understand so I can make it up to you. And the, right. person, the person doesn't owe you anything. They may never forgive you or they may say, fine, or, you know, whatever it is, but you do your part. And, and, and then if nothing else, it allows you to, to walk away when it's finished and really think about, well, I mean, nobody likes to think about things they've done that have been harmful to other people, but we all will make mistakes. We're going to make more mistakes. We're going to insult people. That's not as much the problem as making the correction because sometimes those amends bring us closer than we would have been otherwise. Mm, right. I agree. I agree. Perfectly said. So there are some other points with the narrative method that are really interesting. So two others that I want to go over. The first one is creative dreaming. So can you really, you know, get into that, like explain that fully? Because I thought that was extremely interesting. Yes, that concept is called Wonderland. Um, it's, a, it's a way of somewhere in between resting, meditating, and a full-blown movie in your imagination. 
Um, when I was pregnant, I, I couldn't sleep on my side and I had to sleep on my back. And I realized I didn't fall asleep as quickly. So I created this way of completely balancing my body so that when I woke up, I'd be all straightened out. Sometimes, you know, you sleep, you get up, you're crooked. So if you are completely supported, you'll know it because you just feel like a floating head and anything that hurt, you don't feel it anymore. So you get into this ideal experience of relaxation. You can use this just as a way to rest. You can use it as a way to fall asleep, or you can use it as a way to control and drive a fantasy. So let's say I really want to create something. I really want to create an event. Um, I don't know the time, um, but I want 100 people to come together at this particular place and everybody play music and eat, let's say. So I can use that time to just visualize more and more and more of what it feels like. And because I'm not going to fall asleep and because I'm not in a waking state of attention and the way that tension limits our imagination, your imagination will make associations to things you don't necessarily think of otherwise. Mm -hmm. So it's a state of released creativity. You can use it to create a long-term goal, a short-term goal, to work something out, or just to go on a journey. Mm -hmm. And I have found it to be so powerful the only thing I feel for myself that I have to do is I have to have some pen and paper, or if you use, you know, something technical, but have something to write with, because if you get an idea, you don't want to lose it. Right. Definitely. I sleep with a pen and paper. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I'm always thinking of something. So it's just important to have a way to record those things. But I know, I don't know if everyone is the same, but I know a lot of creative you know, people, they think of a lot of things, you know, their dreaming is like full scale movie production. So I don't know if everyone experiences that, but it, how we sleep, what's in our mind, that's why I think it's important to be mindful of just the electronics we absorb, you know, what we're looking at on the phone, the television, what we're listening to, because it really does seep into our sleep, you know, in a form dreams and that's a part of just having some restfulness being healthy you know positive mindset I think it all plays a role together you know and I think our sleep is a result of some of the choices and things that we choose to absorb you know throughout the day so I just think it all kind of plays in hand for sure definitely and you know let's say you don't have an idea that you want to pursue you just want to kind of you know, rid yourself of some of the negativity of the day. Well, we all know that you can take a few big um, inhales and exhales and then just, you know, tighten and release all parts of your body. But take in something nice, either a meditation, words you like to say to yourself, music, something to um, sort of balance out. Again, it's kind of like the radical gratitude idea where we're balancing out the fact that we do get negative stuff. We walk down the street, there's negative stuff. You drive in the car, somebody gives you the finger. I mean, you know, it's, it's part of the uh, casualness of our culture. 
Um, so whatever we can do to create deliberate beauty and imagination, it's in your fertile imagination that you create yourself. Mm -hmm. Whatever other people told you you were, you weren't, or you could never be, no matter how close we get to our dream of what that would be, being on the path is the most profound gratification. You can't be anywhere more than on the path because as you hit certain goals, you'll inevitably see other ones. And that feels good. And that feels true to yourself. Mm. Now, one of the last points I want to go over, and it ties into honestly what you just said, because like I said, we all have had this internal insecurities, whether people want to admit that or not. Also, we touched on social media, which is the big facade in a lot of ways. So one of these important points of the narrative method that I wanted to talk about is replace false information with new beliefs. So I think that can be taken in a lot of ways because false information could also be what someone has planted in our minds and how we view ourselves, you know? So I definitely want your take on that. So that's, we call that upgrading. So um, we've all been told certain things by our families that we may never have looked at again, just accepted them. Um, no matter how much you love your family, it doesn't mean that you're going to agree with every single thing you were told or your teachers or the criminal justice system or, or other authorities. And so it's up to us in the same way that you said, like as an adult, we have to bring up the child in, in, in a way that is uh, in concert with our own values. So you may realize, you know, I have a knee-jerk reaction to that group of people. Or I don't like when people say this kind of thing. Or I, I hear all the time people say, oh, well, why don't they just blah, blah, blah? Why don't you just cool it? And yeah. put yourself aside and put yourself in their shoes. And imagine, is it just, just? Or is that how it is for you? Mm. So the most important thing when we're upgrading um, old ideas if they were um, entrenched biases or even prejudices, it's not about beating yourself up. You don't need to add the time of recovery. It's what happened. Right. If you need to make amends, make amends. But the most important thing is to understand, wow, I didn't get that because of this. Okay, now I really want to make more of myself. I want to, I want to have my life be about being a person with an open mind, being inclusive, um, being more loving. And so the next time I notice myself uh, getting turned off to someone who's different from me, I am going to have the awareness to stop and ask myself, what is that? And none of this stuff is quick. None of this stuff is easy and it may be painful if you, if you realize that maybe your behavior hasn't been as good as you now realize it should have been. But it's very important, especially if you are willing to grow, if you are willing to look at your mistakes, be as loving to yourself as you would to anyone you loved. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect but make it easy for yourself to grow. Mm, mm, I love that. 
So ending everything, and like I said, you've brought up some amazing points, obviously from your therapist. So I value therapists so much because I just feel that mental health is something that we all need to talk about more. And just going to therapy, having people who are in this profession, heart doctors, as I, I like to refer to, it's, it's invaluable. So obviously my platform is about self-love and you have some amazing points with this narrative method. So this is the main question I'm really excited to ask you. I would like to get your personal perspective, your take on self-love. Self-love is the fuel for us just to be whole, for us to go through these steps that you're mentioning, because we can't grow unless we realize that we're valuable, unless we love ourselves in order to say, hey, I wanna work on my communication with people. I want to work out some ish with my childhood that I know that I'm better than. I wanna just grow and be better. It takes self-love in order to do that. So what is your perspective on self-love and just the value of it in our lives? It's, you know, it's you. Be like you or be like what you're saying. Um, and, you know, again, we're not perfect. It's not about perfection. It's just about if you think about we tend to have this inner voice that comes out sometimes like you make a mistake. Why you, do? you know, you never you always you know, we all have that. Maybe that voice is more whiny. Maybe it's why well, didn't you? But pay attention to the inner voices that are really just coming from fear, fear of being judged, fear of failure, um, and soothe them. Because if you yell at the yelling voice, it's going to stay defensive. If you put your hand on your heart and you say to it, oh, it's okay, I'm here, because it's just a little fear. The, the dominant you, that your dominant hand can represent when you put it on your heart is in charge. The dominant you is the smartest, wisest, most open-minded, and the one that's gotten everything done so far. Mm. So let that beautiful soul be your wisdom guide. Mm. And in loving yourself, you learn how to love someone else. You learn how to receive love we can't expect to be good at loving someone else if we're not good at loving ourselves. Mm -hmm. And again, just do whatever you can to connect with other people and get a reality check and ask other people about how they may struggle with it. It's not just you. It's oh. all of us. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. I just, it's been very enlightening and I know it will help someone. You know, like I said, these narrative methods it's just something that's much needed because like you said, in order to be just better people and obviously not perfect, there's no such thing as perfection, but just to be better so we can be healthier, we can be happy. It takes work, you know, and it's we're valuable and we're worth doing that work in order to have more effective communication skills so people can love us and we can love in return so we can just be happier and healthier. So before we end everything, tell everyone how they can find you, how they can connect with you. The narrativemethod.org. You can sign up for one of our four free events every week. We have two writing groups, which are incredible. One hour in and out, boom, everybody writes. It's really fun, no judging. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have two conversation salons. 
So we practice radical human connection. We'll look at some very fascinating videos that correspond to whatever idea we're looking at this week. And based on that, you get a prompt, you go into breakout rooms and share whatever story comes up that you remember. And those are just incredible. And so please take advantage of that. We also have in our shop, we have cards, the narrative method DIY human cards, because you don't need a license to use your humanity. So Mm -hmm. we created cards so that people can start their own groups and you can use the cards with groups, with one person, or you can use them as writing prompts. Awesome. Thank you so much. That sounds amazing. And so guys, I really hope you all go ahead and check out Dr. Sherry Foose. This narrative method is just, it's very informative. It's necessary. And like we discussed, and like I discussed on all our episodes, self-love really is the fuel for us to just make better choices in our lives, to just really be the best form of ourselves, not perfect, but just to live a richer, fuller life. I think a lot of us, we've had a lot of junk pushed into our heads as children. It's no one's fault, okay? But we've learned a lot of things that have hurt us sometimes. We just have seen things through a crack lens. And that's perfectly fine once we realize that. But that's the beauty of life. Like I said, this game of life is when we realize that those little boys and girls inside of us that may not have been good enough I may have been told some things that just weren't the right way of seeing things. We have a great victory in our adulthood to fight through those things and to become better people. And like I said, it's not about being perfect, but it is about being healthier, being happier, and just finding a way to get to that highest form of self. So just go ahead and connect with Dr. Sherry Fuse. Go ahead and look at the narrativemethod.org. This is a great concept, and I really think it will help people just view things differently and also get us better and closer to the ultimate form of self-love. So you can catch this episode and more, www.thekeychat.com. There are some amazing women with some great stories and they're making her story. So go ahead, check in and make sure you go love yourself. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent, you're a queen, you're a queen, oh.